Chapter Seven of the Double Life of Mr. Alfred Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Double Life of Mr. Alfred Burton by E. Phillips Oppenheim. Chapter Seven: The Truthful Auctioneer. At a little before ten on the following morning, Burton stood upon the pavement outside, looking with some amazement at the house in Wenslow Square. The notices to let had all been torn down. A small army of paper-hangers and whitewashers were at work. A man was busy fastening flower-boxes in the lower windows. On all hands were suggestions of impending occupation. Burton mounted the steps doubtfully and stood in the hall, underneath a whitewasher's plank. The door of the familiar little room stood open before him. He peered eagerly in. It was swept bare and completely empty. All traces of its former mysterious occupant were gone. "'Is this house to let?' he inquired of a man who was deliberately stirring a pail of shiny whitewash. The plasterer nodded. "'Seems so,' he admitted. "'It's been empty long enough.' Burton looked around him a little vaguely. "'You all seem very busy,' he remarked. "'Some bloke from the country's taken the house,' the man grumbled. "'And wants to move in before the bloomin' paint's dry.' "'Nobody can't do impossibilities, mister,' he continued, "'leaving out the unions, which can't bear to see us overexert ourselves. "'They've always got a particular eye on me, "'knowing I'm a bit too rapid for most of them when I start.' "'Give yourself a rest for a moment,' Burton begged. "'Tell me, what's become of the rugs and oddments of furniture "'from that little room opposite?' "'The man produced a pipe, contemplated it for a moment thoughtfully, "'and squeezed down a portion of blackened tobacco with his thumb.' "'Poor smoking,' he complained. "'Got such a family I can't afford more than one ounce a week. "'Nothing but dust here.' "'I haven't any tobacco with me,' Burton regretted. "'But I'll stand a couple of ounces with pleasure,' he added, producing a shilling. The man pocketed the coin without undue exhilaration, struck a vilely smelling match, and lit the fragment of filth at the bottom of his pipe. "'About those oddments of furniture,' Burton reminded him. "'Stolen,' the man asserted gloomily. "'Stolen under our very eyes, as it were. "'Someone must have knit in just as you did this morning and whisked them off. "'Easy done with a covered truck outside, "'and us so wrapped up in our work, so to speak. "'When was this?' Burton demanded eagerly. "'Day afore yesterday. "'Does Mr. Waddington know about it?' "'The man removed his pipe from his teeth and gazed intently at his questioner. "'Is this Mr. Waddington you are speaking of a red-faced gentleman?' "'Kind of auctioneer or agent? "'Looks as if he could shift a drop?' "'Burton recognised the description. "'That,' he assented, "'is Mr. Waddington.' "'The workman replaced the pipe in the corner of his mouth "'and nodded deliberately. "'He knows right enough he does. "'Came down here yesterday afternoon with a friend. "'Seemed, from what I could hear, "'to want to give him something to eat out of that room. "'I put him down as dotty, "'but my, you should have heard him "'when he found out that the stuff had been lifted. "'Was he disappointed?' Burton asked. Words seemed to fail the plasterer. He nodded his head a great many times and spat upon the floor. "'That may be the word I was looking for,' he admitted. "'Can't say as I should have thought of it myself. Anyway, the bloke never stopped for close on five minutes, and old Joe, him on the ladder there, he came all the way down and listened with his mouth open. And he don't want no laming neither when there's things to be said. Kind of auctioneer they said he was. Comes easy to that sort, I suppose. Did he—' "'Did Mr. Waddington obtain any clue as to the whereabouts of the missing property?' Burton asked with some eagerness. 
"'Not as I knows on,' the plasterer replied, picking up his brush. "'And as to the missing property, there was nowt but a few mouldy rugs and a flower-pot in the room. Some folks does seem able to work themselves up into a fuss about nothing, and no mistake. Good morning, Governor. Drop in again some time when you're passing.' Burton turned out of Wenslow Square and approached the offices and sales-rooms of Messrs. Waddington and Forbes with some misgiving. Bearing in mind the peculiar nature of the business conducted by the firm, he could only conclude that ruin, prompt and absolute, had been the inevitable sequence of Mr. Waddington's regrettable appetite. He was somewhat relieved to find that there were no evidences of it in the familiar office which he entered with some diffidence. "'Is Mr. Waddington in?' he inquired. A strange young man slipped from his stool and found his questioner gazing about him in a bewildered manner. There was much, indeed, that was surprising in his surroundings. The tattered bills had been torn down from the walls, the dust-covered files of paper removed, the ceilings and walls painted and papered. A general cleanliness and sense of order had taken the place of the old medley. The young man who had answered his inquiry was quietly dressed and not in the least like the missing office boy. "'Mr. Waddington is at present conducting a sale of furniture,' he replied. "'I can send a message in if your business is important.' Burton, who had always felt a certain amount of liking for his late employer, was filled now with a sudden pity for him. Truth was a great and marvellous thing, but the last person who had need of it was surely an auctioneer engaged in the sale of sham articles of every description. It was putting the man in an unfair position. A vague sense of loyalty towards his late chief prompted Burton's next action. If help were possible, Mr. Waddington should have it. "'Thank you,' he said. I will step into the sales-room myself. I know the way. Burton pushed open the doors and entered the room. To his surprise, the place was packed. There was the usual crowd of buyers and many strange faces, the usual stack of furniture of the usual quality and other lots less familiar. Mr. Waddington stood in his accustomed place, but not in his accustomed attitude. The change in him was obvious, but in a sense pathetic. He was quietly dressed, and his manner denoted a new nervousness, not to say embarrassment. Drops of perspiration stood upon his forehead. The strident note had gone from his voice. He spoke clearly enough, but more softly, and without the familiar roll. "'Gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen,' he was saying as Burton entered, "'the next item on the catalogue is number seventeen. Described as an oak chest, said to have come from Winchester Cathedral, and to be a genuine antique.' Mr. Waddington leaned forward from his rostrum. His tone became more earnest. "'Ladies and gentlemen,' he continued, "'I am bound to sell as per catalogue, "'and the chest in question is described exactly as it was sent in to us. "'But I do not myself for a moment believe either that it came from Winchester "'or that it is in any way antique. "'Examine it for yourselves. "'Pray examine it thoroughly before you bid. "'My impression is that it is a common oak chest, "'treated by the modern hucksters, "'whose business it is to make new things look like old.' I have told you my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. At what shall we start the bidding? It is a useful article anyhow, and might pass for an antique if anyone here really cares to deceive his friends. At any rate, there is no doubt that it is uh, a chest, and that it will uh, hold things. How much shall we say for it? There was a little flutter of conversation. People elbowed one another furiously in their desire to examine the chest. A dark, corpulent man with curly black hair and an unmistakable nose looked at the auctioneer in a puzzled manner. "'Say, Waddington, old man, what's the game, eh? What have you got up your sleeve that you don't want to sell the stuff? Blow me if I can tumble to it!' 
"'There is no game at all,' Mr. Waddington replied firmly. "'I can assure you, Mr. Absalom, and all of you, ladies and gentlemen, "'that I have simply told you what I believe to be the absolute truth. "'It is my business to sell whatever is sent to me here for that purpose, "'but it is not my business or intention to deceive you in any way if I can help it.' "'Mr. Absalom re-examined the oak chest with a puzzled expression. "'Then he strolled away and joined a little knot of brokers "'who were busy discussing matters.' The various remarks which passed from one to another indicated sufficiently the perplexed condition of mind. The old man's dotty. Not he. There's a game on somewhere. He wants to buy in some of the truck. Old Waddy knows what he's doing. Mr. Absalom listened for a while, and then returned to the rostrum. Mr. Waddington, he asked, if it the truth that there are one or two pieces of real good stuff here, sent in by an old farmer in Kent? Quite true. "'Mr. Waddington declared eagerly. "'Unfortunately, they all came in together "'and were included with other articles "'which have not the same antecedents. "'You may be able to pick out which they are. "'I can't. "'Although I am supposed to be in this business, "'I never could tell the difference myself.' "'It was a chorus of guffaws. "'Mr. Waddington mopped his forehead with the handkerchief. "'It is absolutely true, gentlemen,' he pleaded. "'I have always posed as a judge, "'but I know very little about it.' As a matter of fact, I have had scarcely any experience in real antique furniture. We must get on, gentlemen. What shall we say for lot number seventeen? Will any one start the bidding on one sovereign? Two, Mr. Absalom offered. More than it's worth, perhaps, but I'll risk it. It is certainly more than it's worth, Mr. Waddington admitted dolefully. However, if you have the money to throw away, two pounds, then. Mr. Waddington raised his hammer to knock the chest down but was met with a storm from all quarters of the room. Two ten! Three! Three ten! Four! Four ten! Five! Six pounds! Seven! Seven ten! Ten pounds! Mr. Absalom, who had so far held his own, hesitated at the last bid. A grey-haired old gentleman looked around him fiercely. The gentleman was seemingly opulent, and Mr. Absalom withdrew with a sigh. Mr. Waddington eyed the prospective buyer sorrowfully. "'You are quite sure that you mean it, sir?' he asked. "'The chest is not worth the money, you know.' "'You attend to your business, and I'll t attend to mine,' the old gentleman answered savagely. "'Most improper behaviour, I call it, trying to buy in your own goods in this barefaced manner. My name is Stephen Hammond, and the money is in my pocket for this or anything else I care to buy.' Mr. Waddington raised his hammer and struck the desk in front of him. As his clerk entered the sale, the auctioneer looked up and caught Burton's eye. He beckoned to him eagerly. Burton came up to the rostrum. Burton, Mr. Waddington exclaimed. I want to talk to you. You see what's happened to me? He went on, mopping his forehead with his handkerchief. Yes, I see. It's that bean, Mr. Waddington declared. But look here, Burton, can you tell me what's happened to the other people? I cannot, Burton confessed. I am beginning to get an idea, perhaps. "'Stand by for a bit and watch,' Mr. Waddington begged. "'I must go on with the sale now. "'Take a little lunch with me afterwards. "'Don't desert me, Burton. "'We're in this together.' "'Burton nodded and found a seat at a little distance from the rostrum. "'From here he watched the remainder of the morning's sale. "'The whole affair seemed to resolve itself into a repetition of the sale of the chest. "'The auctioneer's attempts to describe correctly the wares he offered "'were met with mingled suspicion and disbelief.' 
the one or two articles which really had the appearance of being genuine and over which he hesitated fetched enormous prices and all the time his eager clients eyed him suspiciously no one trusted him and yet it was obvious that if he had advertised a sale every day the room would have been packed burton watched the proceedings with the utmost interest once or twice people who recognized him came up and asked him questions to which however he was able to return no satisfactory reply at one o'clock precisely the auctioneer with a little sigh of relief announced a postponement even after he had left the rostrum the people seemed unwilling to leave the place back again this afternoon sir someone called out at half past two the auctioneer replied with a smothered groan End of chapter seven